0: I wish to advise listeners to this episode of the Author's Tale that it contains reference to domestic violence. Kathleen. Hello. Was that Michael I saw walking down the road? No. It's not so gloomy over here. No, we've sort of got drizzle at home. I'm walking up a long dirt driveway tucked under the cashmere Hill in Christchurch. Surrounding me is native bush and fruit trees. My panting is because I'm carrying a heavy bag full of books and a freshly baked fruit loaf. Do you have these pictures? Are those Black Boy ones? Yeah. No, we don't. Look at your tree. This is the property owned by Canterbury author Kathleen Gallagher and her husband, artist Michael Coglin. You really feel like you're walking into a hidden sanctuary. And out of this, appearing to have been planted and grown along with the trees and bush is their home. It really is a reflection of Kathleen herself, who over the years has become more and more at one with her surroundings, her history, her life journey, and she has allowed this to influence her writing, which, like her home, is organic and reflective of a life in New Zealand. I'm Stephanie Fruin. And this is The Author's Tale, a series of casual conversations with prominent and influential New Zealand authors who have made their mark in New Zealand and overseas. They have often gone under the radar in their home country, but they have contributed to our cultural history in a way that if they were musicians would be considered rock stars of their genre. They are the word stars of New Zealand literature. Not wanting to focus on a particular book or work, I'm more interested in speaking with the author in their own surroundings and getting an idea of where they have come from and what has influenced their journey to date. We meet in their homes during the COVID-19 pandemic and so we keep our distance with my authors wearing a lapel mic some metres away from me, hence the less than perfect sound quality. You may hear us drinking coffee or cups of tea, or other members of their house banging around, and you may notice us eating a fruitcake, made using my mother's recipe. She was the person who encouraged my love of a good book and great writing, so it seems fitting to include her. You're about to hear part one of Kathleen Gallagher's tale, author of three published collections of poetry, 17 plays, two novels and eight feature films. She gained the New Zealand Playwrights Award in 1993 and the Sonia Davies Peace Award in 2004. We chat about her childhood, her garden, and the influences of her ancestry and connections to New Zealand Māori. You've got quite the orchard.
1: Well, we've got 60, 60 something tree, food producing trees here. Have you? Yeah. 60?
0: Mm-hmm. Bloody see, hell. What, so, see yeah, that's a big territory, tree there. Yeah, so we've just, we've gone the black boy peach and an apple.
1: And a feijoa And a Fijoa. Yeah, that's all. there. That yeah. One. And that's an apricot tree. This one leaning? Yeah, that's an apricot. It's Huge! Tree. Yeah, we had one of apricots. And it's a sapote tree beside there. What's that? And that's a walnut tree. What's a sapote um, tree? A sapote tree is like a Mexican tree. It's a what? It's a Mexican tree.
0: Wow. For it's those of tree. you who didn't catch it, a sapote tree is a Mexican tree.
1: They taste like vanilla ice cream.
0: Yeah. Yum. Yeah, and um, we a fig tree. Yeah, oh, your fig is just amazing, yeah, isn't it? Because so how
1: long have you been here now? Uh, 22 years. Wow.
0: After making our way through Kathleen's amazing garden, we settle on a couch and have a chat. Um, How's the cake? Is it
1: It's right? amazing. Oh, good. It's really amazing. Like oh, fresh fruit cake, you can't eat. <laughs> good, good. I might get the recipe from you, then. Mm-hmm. I am happy to, to share it.
0: So I read everything you gave me to take away and have a read, which was everything from your the collection of poetry. So Tara, there's a full-poet box. There's Tara, Gypsy... Um, Twilight Birds of Sky, yeah. Yeah, Twilight Birds
1: of Sky. And what's
0: the other one? No, the other there's, one?
1: no there's three in there. Oh, one. three. The fourth one I haven't... It's, it's not printed. That's yet. right. Yeah. Um, I had the poetry. There was four plays in Mother Tongue and the, and,
0: and the three other plays. Earthquake and Butterflies, Gallaghers of Conradin, um Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Rohei Porepo. Yep. Reported. The Swamp, the Sacred Place, and Anangahua Gold. So I went through the whole lot, and I started with the poetry, because I felt this was probably the oldest of the works that mm. you gave me. Kind of made my way up. And it's like I said before, what really struck me was um, I felt you were a little bit like me. You like to dig dig into the history that's around you mm-hmm. and take from that and to, yeah, to, to put down these stories. Um, I really felt Tara, your, your poetry, oh, something's on your roof.
1: Oh, we've got lots the, of, the birds. yeah, we've got lots of things falling and we have birds all over. Oh, yeah. it. <laughs> <It's
0: hilarious. laughs> um, yeah. I loved the poetry and because the other thing, oh anyway, so let's just go back to that sort of thought. I guess what I'm thinking about before, sort of, yeah. So, you, how do you sort of feel your approach? Does it all just come organically yeah. for you, and with all these influences from from you know your surroundings and your environment?
1: Yes, it does. It just appears, and I just do it. Yeah, I'm just obedient to it.
0: <laughs> you hear the voice, and you and you let it flow, and capture it, and yeah, writing. it took
1: me a while to work that out. But that's what I was here to do, um, but yeah, when I was about 26 or 27, I I was lecturing at the university and I um, landed up flat on my back and I couldn't do anything except write, mm. and, um, and I realised then that um, that really was all that I had to do, um, yeah, so because before that I used to think that I would do this and do, you know, I would do lots of different things, and then I realised then I was probably about 27, that that's really what I was here for, and yeah and nothing else and if I obeyed that I'd sort of stay well and healthy but if I didn't ah, I'd get sick, yeah.
0: That's interesting isn't it how you sort of, you saw maybe a correlation between your health and what you're doing, your, your current yeah. situation or lifestyle and then you, well, you say you obeyed yourself
1: Well um, yeah I did what I, what I think that I've that I'm here for like I just I just obeyed it you know but and um yeah Eric Hooper once said to me that he said because I went to him he was doing one on one plays at the court theater and he said to me are you an amateur or a professional and he's and I said um I'm a professional and he said yeah he said amateurs do it because they love it yeah professionals do it because they they have have to and so i really feel like i've had, really have had no choice
0: <laughs> yeah and yeah. i reckon and but we can see that i think in your work and i've i also felt that you allowed your upbringing and what you had been exposed to to really come through in your work and maybe it's because i had a catholic upbringing i can see all these hints of catholicism and christianity and 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 um, and the power of the church, I suppose. Mm.
1: Um, and Irish. Yes. And, and also uh, Irish, yeah, I think Irish um, spirituality yeah. as well. I think that was part yeah. of the Catholic Church in New Zealand. Like, It's not everywhere because they've got different spiritualities, but yeah. in the New Zealand Catholic Church that I grew up in, the Irish spirituality was quite a yeah. strong part of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, the, um, and I found like there's one poem here, I'm just actually going to read it, and when I read it, I thought, I will get you to read it. Didn't I read it? Yeah, the song. It. Oh yeah. Read that for me. And um, when I read that, I thought <coughs> it was just absolutely brilliant. Uh,
1: we stand up from the table, and like our daily bread, we carry the plates, the men's plates, the children's plates, our plates. We wash them, we dish out the pudding, And like their daily bread, the men sit, the men talk, they read the paper. We pour the tea, they sit, we wash, they talk, we smile.
0: Now when I read that, of course, the whole church thing, the daily bread thing, and I'm thinking, it is just so, I thought that was a great um, depiction of women's role, I suppose, in in the church.
1: And I think in the society that yes. we grew up in, it was, it's sort of like, because I felt that I was really lucky because I came in the generation after the yeah. feminist, like I was, you know, like we were privileged really because yeah. yeah. we had a lot of feet, you know, we stood on a lot of shoulders, yes. you know, and, um, and also I had my grandmother who'd, she'd been brought up, um, she was born in 1898 and she, she was a feminist, you know, she her mother, you know, she was. Yep. She voted, and she reminded me. She used to remind me that we got the vote, yep. and she said, "You should always vote. You should yes. never not vote because we got yep. the vote, yep. and women nowhere else had it, and we got it." And and she was very clear about. Um, and I think the women from her era were more feminist than the women from my mother's era. Mm-hmm. I think she was more. Um, and I think maybe she grew that way as she grew older yep. and she got clarity. Yeah. You know, she got that clarity and she gave me that yep. clarity. You yeah. Know? So I could see that really clearly. Yeah, and that yeah. is
0: so clear there. And I just I thought that was just brilliant. And um and I and I wondered about the title, song. And I yes. thought <laughs> Why song? Because your yeah, why song? Why do well, you call it
1: song? Because I think it's a long song. <laughs> it's a song that's Going on, it's an intergenerational song, and it's sort of like, by stating it, it sort of breaks it, really, and it sort of, it changes it, because once you describe something accurately, it it actually changes it, and you might surprise people, but when once they're surprised, then people change what they do, you know, Um, and they do... They do different things yeah. from what they did before. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, you're absolutely right, and it's interesting because actually looking over here, this um, so mother tongue. We're now talking about mother tongue. This play was groundbreaking in its subject matter. What it was to actually be a woman. It was first performed in 1986 at the Free Theatre in Christchurch. Um, I was interested in reading when I read the review done by Imogen. De la Beire and the New Zealand Listener, and what I thought was really interesting about this, because um, I remember the talk about mother tongue. And I remember, and the pe- and the whole is such a feminist, you know. Play. But what I thought was really interesting is that she says here, um, or is it ah? But when we are, we, but when we meet a new type of drama with a new convention, a sort of a little mental adjustment is necessary necessary before we can understand and appreciate it. Such a new type is what, for a better term, is labelled feminist theatre. A remarkable example of this theatre called Mother Tongue was performed recently by the Women's Action Theatre in Christchurch. This work, written and performed entirely by women, is intended for an audience of women. Men are not excluded in any way by the group, nor does the theatre go out of its way to attack them. They are not aggressive. They are not angry. They are not political. They do not regard themselves as extremists. They are simply not interested in men's feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Or men's reaction to their work.
1: Was that true? Well, <laughs> I think that it was really important with Mother Tongue what we were, like, we were making, we were talking to ourselves, like, we had to talk to ourselves about the situation. And um, it's good if men changed when they came, and they did. Yes. You know, like, people would watch that plan, they'd walk out, and they, they would change what they did, yeah. you know, um. You know, after the play, like someone just stood up and said, "Oh, now I know, you know how to be." You know, it's sort of like this whole, yeah. this whole shift. So, but it's important that we do that. Like we, it's important that we say, mm. we state, we have to, we have to yeah. speak, and we have to speak up now. You yeah, know, like and
0: like, and what I thought was was funny is that when I, you know, you read the play, and you know, it just talks about being a woman. Yeah, but there was there was nothing. Aggressive about it or anything. It was just purely stating the facts, yes, really, which right. yeah. no one had really done before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's really funny when you actually see someone pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. It's um, interesting because until someone points it out, you don't realise. You don't realise that it's just been washed over <laughs> previously. Um, and I think I would imagine anyway that what your you know, production of that um, of that play, and then it was done. How many other people performed were, it? Was performed uh, a number of times. Yeah, it and we also
1: we also toured it um, yeah. all around the country. Um, oh, you can come in. Yeah, can it? Kathleen's husband Michael has just arrived oh, home. No. We're just doing our interview with Steve. Oh. Um so it make a cup of tea. The, the jugs, the the hot water's oh. boiled. Yeah. Um, so we performed it. All over the country, we toured it. We got invited all over the place, and so we toured it everywhere. And then after that, it's been performed um, by different groups as well. So they they continue to perform it. Like that book of um, still gets bought and Mm. performed around. Yeah, Mm. so that yeah, they have a long life. These things, (laughs) well, they do, don't they? Like, well, these ones, yeah, they do. Yeah, Yeah, they do, and I think
0: that um, it's like I said, you know, I think previously it's been washed over. You know, um, and you gave people permission to just be.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think it was more than that, because, like, we wrote it, um, you know, we wrote it together, like yep. I wrote it with Kate and Caitlin Stanley. And, um, we'll
0: take this time while Kathleen's husband, Michael, makes himself a cup of tea to listen to a reading from her play, Mother Tongue. Black and blue, black and blue. Is this the man I married, and his children carried? How much more of this am I supposed to take? Black and blue, night and day, What's the point in going on this way? Hard to leave, but I can hardly stay. How was I to know he'd act this way? Black and blue, black and blue Says he'll love me till the day I die Black and blue, black and blue Says he'll love me till the day I
1: die Now, who are we with now? Um, oh, Mother Tongue. Yeah. Right, yeah,
0: no, so let's, so let's just take a little step back. So, yeah, I'm imagining that even as a young woman, as a young girl, you must have written, you, did mm. you, as you were younger?
1: Oh, yes, yeah, I, and wrote, I wrote. And I did, I did speech and drama as well. And also, I learned poetry, um, because in my mother's family, in the Doyle family, they were really into, like, we would have... Um, our birthday parties with all our cousins, and we would have, um, we would have like a a concert every time we would have a party. Mm-hmm. So everybody would recite poetry and sing <laughs> and. That's such it, an
0: Irish Catholic thing to do. Yeah. It was.
1: And yeah. <laughs> true. I grew up. Like when I was five, I could recite recite the, you know, um, you know, in Montjoy Jail one Monday morning, yeah, yeah. high upon the Ballards tree. Gallows wow. Tree, Kevin Barry gave his young life for the cause of liberty. Oh, wow. And so but but you know, and Patty McGinty's coach and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I learnt huge amounts from my family mm. of endless songs. Like yeah. and poetry. And so we, we would all you know, we just we just took it as natural that you got up and recited poetry and that you sang songs and you played the piano or whatever you did.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but you were part of this, you know, um, and all of the you know, adults would support it. Yeah. yeah. So I describe it. I think at the beginning of Twilight, beams the sky. Yeah. Yeah. I think I described that. Yeah. What I grew up in the, in the in my mum's family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Family. yeah.
0: So was there a was there a particular writer or a book that you read that you it just dawned on you and you thought I would like. Do Do you feel funny? It had a bit of an impact on you? Yeah, probably
1: when I was about 16, I was at the Great Hall, and James K. Baxter and Dennis Glover, Wow. and there was a couple of other people, um, his name I can't remember, they're all guys, and Dennis Glover was as drunk as a skunk, (laughs) and he fell down the stairs (laughs) and stuff, and, and anyway, Baxter read...
0: So they're obviously doing some sort of recital. Poetry oh, no, was recital. a
1: poetry thing. Bert poetry. Brunton, Alan, uh, Alan Brunton? Yeah, Alan Brunton. And um, they were travelling around doing um, you know readings around the country. Yeah. And Baxter read. And when he read, I thought, yeah, I want to do this. Wow. This is all I want to do. Wow. Is to do this, yeah. How and fabulous. So probably, you know, that was quite a, sp- yeah. a striking year. It was very clear. Yeah. Yeah. That there was, yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah.
0: And what a person to have a moment with like that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so who um, took you to that? Was it one of your parents took you or oh did no, you take no. yourself
1: off? Oh no, I took myself because we biked everywhere. We yeah. had, from yeah. when I was 10 I had the run of the city, I could bike. Once I got my so bike. So you were
0: raised in Christchurch? Were you I was too? raised
1: in Christchurch yeah. and I grew up in Rickerton and um, near Dean's Bush, at the back of Dean's Bush. And um and once we were ten, we had bikes, and I felt like I was free, like, and I and I had the run of the city, basically. Yeah. Like, and um, yeah, also I've, you know, of course, I took myself everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. I, it never everywhere. occurred to me. Yeah. Not to.
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, um, um, was it, is there anyone else in your family who's a writer, or was it something that someone else had been doing, or are you are you just that person who's my f- my
1: father's a my father's a a brilliant writer yeah. um, he used to write amazing letters um and he was always a, a very very good writer of letters yeah. and stuff like that um and um yeah so i guess in a way um oh here's thomas <laughs> oh my god she's a speech and drama teacher wait a minute
0: Waving through the glass of Kathleen's front door is Thomasita Edgerton, a well-known speech and drama teacher in Christchurch and a good friend of Kathleen's. While they have a chat, we'll listen to a reading from the play Jacaranda. The character is Charlotte, a 97-year-old woman who suffers from dementia. She moves in and out of the present day. Take my jersey and these socks. I'll find some others. I want them to go away. They won't leave me alone. They're brushing their hands through my hair. I want them to leave me alone. I want you all to go away and stay away. I can cook myself a dinner. You needn't bring me food. Why does someone have to be here with me every hour of the day? Go away. Tell them all to go away. I can find my way to the toilet. I can bath myself. If there's a chair there, all these people around, around, around. Could you please tell them, Eileen, to go away? I'm going to ride the horse. Where are my shoes? You've taken my shoes. Who are you? What are you doing in my mother's house? Where are my shoes? I can't ride without shoes. It's winter. It's too cold to go out. I can't go out without my shoes please let me out, let me out, let me out. Oh, good. Oh, we're, anyway, we'd we're better keep going. Oh, we're still working. This is all
1: good.
0: That's all great. As long as my... Oh, I'm coming in It's like, Anyway, going back to how you got into... What, what were we talking about? You... Um, I
1: talked about Baxter, that he was... Oh, yeah. Because you asked me what was, a, what was an influence. Yeah, 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 the said, influence. And yeah, I said, yeah, Baxter, I Yeah, go see him. Yeah, but there were, and then there were other influences too, yeah, you know, yeah. I th- I th- but I think that definitely, was the moment. well, I think my childhood was a whole, yeah. I mean,
0: Yeah.
1: you know, I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> and the thing that also struck me when I read through the whole thing is the, you've got a real connection with, you know, Maori um, culture and language. Yeah. But there is no, you you don't come from a Maori background, do
1: you? Or do you? yeah. Yeah. I've been exposed to Māori all my life because yeah. I've got lots and lots of Māori first cousins. Oh, right. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And second cousins. Yes. And the night cousins.
0: of your parents were Māori, were they? Uh,
1: yeah, I think that my mother, yeah, my mother's, yeah, my mo- on my mother's side, oh. there's connection to
0: wow
1: um, the peninsula, yeah, to Cook yeah, on my wow. mother's side, yeah, but there's it, it's sort of. At the moment, it's we're still trying to work out how it goes, but I think it's yeah. through my grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: It's, That's exciting. So
1: we're, we've sort of been... But it's sort of been around all the time. Yeah. Like, I've sort of had this awareness yeah. of that my whole life, but yeah. not the detail of it. But right. it is a problem for Ngāi Tahu because only 30% of people know that they're Ngāi Tahu. Yeah. Um, because a lot of records were destroyed and a lot of stuff was lost. Mm. And so... But... Yeah, we're sort of digging around about it, and I think it's becoming to to me now. It's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it's probably Kokorata and I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So we're just yeah. So I've got that as well, yeah. but um, and also I've got yeah, I've got cousins all over the both islands. Like we've got a really strong um, family group up at um. In Nantiquia and yeah. Um yeah. Yeah.
0: So, were you did, were you um, sort of surrounded by the language because you grasp with the language? You're fluent.
1: Um, no, no, well, I'm not. I'm not fantastic. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'd like to be more fluent than I am. But, um, but, but also, we grew up next. Our neighbours were were the Nipiars, and Bill was the professor of Māori at the university. And on the other side was Margaret O'Bell, and she was a really she was a professor Māori there too. Yeah. And she was really interesting, because she'd been studying Greek mythology, and she'd been in Europe, and she'd been studying that, and totally into that, and then one day she came back to Auckland, and she talked to her old neighbours, She started talking about Maori mythology, yeah. and then she said she realised that um, Greek mythology was like Prima 1, and Maori mythology was like uh. doctorate level at university, wow. and she realised how profound was Maori mythology, wow. and... So she left Europe and she returned to New Zealand and she just totally immersed herself in Māori and Māori tanga and um, Mataranga Māori and also all of the old, um, the Ori Ori and the Waiata. And, you know, she learnt them all and, yeah. and she worked with um, a guy, McLean, and yeah, she totally immersed herself in that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it's in, it's in all of your writing, isn't it? Like you really blend it. It's almost seamlessly the way you have it sort of interwoven with a lot of your writing.
1: Yeah, it's not... Um... And
0: it doesn't seem like you've placed it, do you know what I mean?
1: No, because um, you know Sometimes
0: when you read things and you feel like, oh, they've just decided they need to place something. It doesn't feel like that at all. It always feels like it's all part of...
1: It's all woven together in yeah, my is. life, like from mm. when I was born, really. Like, I haven't yeah. got it... You know, I think the the Irish and the Māori, you know, sort of like it's like they're quite interweaving threads that sort of go through my... Life, yeah. yeah And I have got some um, relation. I think I've got some relations But I'm not sure <laughs> But I think I've got some relations That are English like the Barrett's mm. But they have also got a lot of They've got a lot of intermarriage Yeah As well But um, from, your, uh, from Cornwall mm. um, But I didn't have very much to do with it, English You know I mean, it wasn't a very dominant culture In my childhood yeah. Like um, I didn't really have much to do with it Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I and I don't know about you, but I always think as well that the Irish, um, the way that they tell story through song through yeah. verse, is so similar to the way the Maori tell their yeah. story as well.
1: So yeah, they sort of go together, and it's yeah, they're sort of very, they're very rich, and like you know, to be able to stand up and speak, and mm. to be able to stand up and recite poetry mm. or sing a, a song or waiata is, yeah. you know, in the Cultures that I grew up in That was really, really respected mm. It was really important yeah. And um, and also to be able to discern Like to be able to see things um, Ahead of when they happened Or like matakite is sort of like To actually ha- have your intuition operating At the, that sort of level Was really highly valued mm. um, You know, so you would Yeah, you would be aware of things Or you could read you could read the landscape or the people or the people's minds yeah. or you know you can read things mm. and learning how to do that from a really young age because that's what yeah that was really valued those yeah. skills were valued and i think mm. in some cultures here yeah, they maybe weren't valued but mm. in the cultures that i was brought up was brought up and yeah that was that was a good thing yeah. you know like it yeah. was a good thing if you know someone turned up at the door and you knew they were coming or
0: yeah.
1: And, you know, like when my father died, my, I rang my auntie and she said, it's all right, I know, I know it's Basil because the, um, the big, my big painting of the ocean has just come off the wall and he's just on his way through now. Yeah. And, you know, that was just how things, you know, that's how mm. things are.
0: You have been listening to part one of The Author's Tale with Christchurch author Kathleen Gallagher with readings from Mother Tongue and Jacaranda performed by myself and Nicky Rees. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes, including part two of Kathleen's Tale, next week. The Author's Tale is produced and presented by me, Stephanie Fruam, and engineered at Plains FM. It is made with assistance from the Christchurch City Council and Creative Community Schemes.